There was a man named John who was a distant cousin of Jesus. Born just six months before him, he was a rugged man who lived in the wilderness, ate locusts and wild honey, and wore clothes made out of camel hair. God sent John to challenge the Jews and tell them to get ready because their Messiah or their king was coming. He became known as John the baptizer because he baptized those who had repented to the way of holiness as a way to prepare themselves for a coming kingdom. Baptism was a symbol of being washed clean from sin or of being purified. It was being inaugurated into a new way and being born into a new life. Soon after that, Jesus came to be baptized. And when John saw him, he said, I am the one who needs to be baptized by you. After all, you are the one who will take away the sin of the world. But Jesus insisted. So John baptized him in front of the crowds. And when Jesus came out of the water, God's spirit came down from the sky like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my son who I love and am well pleased. Immediately after being baptized, Jesus was led by God's spirit into the wilderness. There, the Satan tempted him for 40 days and nights. And during that time, Jesus didn't eat anything and became very hungry. Satan tried to deceive Jesus by tempting him in the same way he tempted the first man, by promising to deliver that which God would not. As Jesus walked along the sea, he began to surround himself with a small community of followers called disciples, showing them how to live in the ways of God. Then Jesus traveled throughout the area, meeting in the marketplaces, homes, and Jewish synagogues, bringing to them a new message saying, the kingdom of God has come. Now turn from your sin by turning to God. Crowds followed Jesus wherever he went as he performed signs, proving the kingdom was indeed here. He cast demons out of people. He healed the sick, gave sight to the blind, opened the ears of the deaf, forgave sins, and proclaimed freedom to those under the rule of chaos. And he raised the dead. These were not only signs of the kingdom, but signs that the ancient sages and mystics attributed only workable by God. Jesus sent his disciples out to manifest the same kingdom through the same signs, miracles, and message, as if the kingdom was within them now as well. One day, Jesus sat down with his disciples and began to teach them about God's kingdom. He said, God blesses those who realize their need for him, the humble and poor, the gentle and merciful. The kingdom of God belongs to just these people. God blesses the pure in heart and those who hunger and thirst to be with him. Jesus said the kingdom is like a tiny seed that is planted in a field. The seed may be small at first, but it grows into a large tree where birds can come and find shelter. Jesus told dozens of stories like this to the crowd. He said, to the, he said the kingdom is like a hidden treasure buried in a field worth diligently searching for. The kingdom is like yeast spread in a large bowl, ball of dough. Just a little will change a lot. Like a precious pearl worth trading everything for. Like a great feast where the poor, the forgotten, the marginalized, and the outcast are invited. Jesus was asked, when is this kingdom that you are teaching about going to come? And Jesus replied, the kingdom of God is not something you can predict. People will not say here it is or there it is, meaning they won't be able to define it by geographical borders because the kingdom of God is within you. One night, a Pharisee named Nicodemus came to Jesus and said, Rabbi, we know you were sent by God to teach us. Your miracles have proven to us that God is with you. Jesus replied, you are right. But unless someone is born a second time, they will never understand God's kingdom. What do you mean, Nicodemus asked. How can someone who is fully grown climb back inside their mother and be born a second time? And Jesus answered him, the truth is no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they have been born a second time by God's spirit. 
Humans can only give human life, but God's spirit gives new life in the kingdom. How can this happen, Nicodemus asked. And Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish teacher, but you don't know the simple truth. If you won't believe me when I teach you about everyday things, how will you believe me when I tell you about God's kingdom? What I am telling you is true. God showed his great love for people by sending me, his only son, to this world. Anyone who believes in me and lives in my ways will find life that is complete and eternal in this kingdom. He sent me here to save people, not to judge them. Those who want to live in sin and darkness will have nothing left of themselves to live on into the eternal kingdom. But those who want to live in God's way will trust me and live forever. So here's the first question. What are, this one's kind of an easy one this week. What are a couple major themes we see in today's story? Born again for you have to be born again by the Spirit to even realize what this this kingdom is. Okay, yes. Anybody else? Who said that? Trust. Where do you see that? Yeah. Yeah, very good. Yeah, very good. Yeah, exactly. So you have to trust. Trust is a big part. One of Nicodemus's faults in not being able to see this kingdom was his lack of trust. He needed more explained to see more. Anybody else? That's good. Do you guys hear that? A new way that uh, is being made possible by the Spirit coming into us as opposed to what we'd seen before, a bunch of laws and rules. Yeah, absolutely. Anybody else? Back there? The weak and clueless are an asset in the kingdom of God. Yes. Yes. Very upside down from the kingdom to this world, right? Anybody else? God always presents himself to us in a way that's his way, not the way we expect. Not the proven leader or the spiritual giant of the time, but through humble people or the underrepresented. He shows up and speaks through easy, cheap, and it's not always what we think we're looking for. Absolutely. Absolutely, and we can, we can probably assume that this was definitely not the sort of king that Israel was looking for, right? Especially after being under foreign occupation, um, we, we have gone through the story where they, ha- they were mighty in battle, and now all of a sudden this, this so-called king shows up um, being baptized by some crazy dude and is not calling this mighty, powerful army to himself or these success gurus but the poor, the weak. Yeah. God doesn't always work in the way we expect him to. Anything else before we go on to the next one? Just acknowledging that we... 
for sure. Yeah, did you all hear that? Just what, one of the things we see, especially at the beginning of the story, is this idea that it seems like one of the first steps is this idea of acknowledging the need. Yeah, absolutely. Anybody see any connections from this story to any of the past stories? Okay. That's good. Abraham and Isaac, the whole son thing there. Anything else? Yep. He was using, there you go, he was using God's word too. Yeah, okay. Anybody else? Okay, yeah. That's good. Okay, so we see a tie, the wilderness that Jesus was in, the wilderness that Israelites were in. He comes out successful, first 40 years. They, they did not. How about, how about this? After, after Noah obeys God, he goes through the, the waters of purification or the flood, and when he, they come out, when everything was okay, a dove descends, right? When it says that, that when Jesus comes out of the waters of purification, out of baptism, right, God's spirit comes down on him like a dove. Anything else? We're told that Jesus is tempted like the first man, right? Jesus was being told by Satan, or being tempted, that he could deliver to him things that God would not, which is exactly what Satan does to, to Adam, the first man. Jesus comes through the temptation successfully, the first man doesn't. What is this? Okay, so we've got, we've got Abraham, we have the wilderness, we have Noah, Adam. There's a couple other said. What does this tell us about, we'll go ahead and use the term, Old Testament stuff. What does this tell us about that? Because we, we now, we all know this, right? This king that has been prophesied over is shown, he's on the scene. So how can we, let's, since we're moving into a new uh, part of the story. What can we say? How can we, maybe summarize is an evil word to use, but how can we summarize everything we have gone through up to this point? Man alone could not attain the kingdom, okay? Yeah. We always failed. We needed someone in our place, right? How about this? Oftentimes, when you and I, maybe not you, when I, read the Old Testament, I like to read the stories of, like, say, David, right? We all know the story of David and Goliath. Most of us do. And what we read is that David, this little, little punk who has no, no war experience or whatever, he comes out and he defeats this mighty giant with these five great stones, now, what we've often been taught in Sunday school with the flannel graph and all that kind of fun stuff is that we're David, is that we're the ones who step up and we face our giants and we have the five stones and we use these crazy alliterations, faith and favor and whatever, and we slay the giants in our life, right? But I don't think that's what the Old Testament is saying. 
I think what we see from this is that everything that we have read about, studied about in the Old Testament, every character is a foreshadowing of this king. And everything we see points to its fulfillment in him. Jesus is the unlikely David who faces the giant and kills the giant and sets his people free. What are you going to say? Yeah. Okay, there you go. That's good. Did you just hear that? Another theme that we see constantly through the Old Testament, and we see Jesus actually doing it, is what he calls us to be faithful in are the, are the little things. Good. Anything else? Yeah. It's never the great leader at the time that he calls to rise up. It's somebody that no one's ever heard of that rises up and fulfills God's. Isn't that so different than our culture and society? Yeah. Exactly. Do you guys hear that? It seems like Jesus, when he's calling somebody, he calls the meager, the weak, the they don't just have a place, but he he calls them up to be the example. David was just a he was the youngest of the shepherd uh, he was a shepherd boy. He had no business being a king. Good. Anybody else? Okay, how about this? Let's, before I go on, did someone, did I see someone raise their hand? No? Okay. All right. Talking about this kingdom, because that's obviously the major theme, is this kingdom. What seems to, some of this was already answered, but let's see if we can hone in on a little more. What seems to be some of the major differences between this kingdom that Jesus is bringing, that he's inaugurating, that he is talking about and proclaiming, in the kingdoms of this world today, or even then. It's not bound by geographical borders, borders. absolutely. Something inside of you, it says that. It says this, okay. Anybody else? It's immaterial. Okay. How about, and somebody said it back here, who the kingdoms of this world seek to please or go after? Yeah, the rich, the powerful, the successful. What does Jesus seem to just go after with everything he has? Who? The poor, the outcast, the marginalized. You guys are quiet today. What else? What else do we see? How does this kingdom seem to spread? Go, go ahead.
It's not this violent burst of taking over, right? Very good, yeah. Something that starts slow and steady and evolves and moves and grabs a hold of. Say that again? Right. It just seems to depend on those who acknowledge that, right? Yeah. The kingdom is now. Yeah, the kingdom is now. And it's been inaugurated by Jesus. Let's segue with that. Let's use that. Let's use the kingdom is now. And someone else, we, we brought up the kingdom is within. So here's the final question. What does that look like for us today? How does this become something that is not just a story that we've all discussed, and by the time we hit rush hour or our deadlines tomorrow, we kind of forget about it? What does it look like in our lives for the kingdom to be now? Yeah. Yeah. We have to be very diligent in recognizing our need, which is a hard thing to do in this culture, for his kingdom. Very good, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, before I started here, it was all about me and my family. We're trying to look outward and see those that need help where we can help as best we can. And we have to be able to look around and see what people need. Yeah, did you guys hear that? The key, to be, to be, a, be a person who is about the kingdom now, the kingdom here, to use her phrase, we've got to be a people who are about the same sort of people Jesus was about, right? We have to seek them out. And not just seek them out in a project that we can check on a box. Not seek them out on a once a quarter thing that we all shut the doors and go do. But this has got to be what our lives look like. This is what it means to be a window into the kingdom. We have to be a people. If we're to be about the kingdom, we have to be a people where the marginalized don't feel like they're marginalized. We have to be a home for the homeless. We have to be love for those who society has said don't deserve love. Right? That's what it means to be a window into that kingdom. I think that's what it means to have the kingdom within us 
in a kingdom that is now. Good. Okay. And it's intentional. Like it has a job, and it's going to take as long as it takes to achieve it until that goes against everything that we want to do. Well, we want to start a program, and boom, we saved 500 people last night. You know, and it's yeah. not. And then, partly as Americans, when we're disappointed sure. because it was a failure, because it didn't happen instantly, but overnight, yeah. Good. You guys hear that? I think that's, that's awesome. One of the ways to be about the kingdom now is to be a people who understand that the way the, kingdom's wor- the kingdom works is sometimes in a very slow, specific way to, to kind of remove ourselves from this, this Western idea of immediate gratification, to be in it for the long haul. That's good. That's really good. It does. Like, I've got the mic, so I'm going to cheat a little bit. But she's absolutely right, right? This is Jesus. This is God. And it takes him three years to develop a community with 12 people. He's not trying to split it and grow fast. And three years for God to grow a community of 12 men. And those who know their Bibles know at the end of three years, they still don't really get it. Good. That was great. Yeah. Anybody have any thoughts on that? Did you guys hear that? Okay, let me see if I repeat that right. Basically, what you're saying is not, you're asking, not, not saying, but, but what you're basically asking is that it's not so much that Jesus went after them as much as he just made himself available and they're the ones who came, right? Okay. Okay, yeah, it'd be an exclusion. Anybody have any thoughts on that? That it's not so much, that the question that was, that was proposed is not so much that um, Jesus necessarily went after the marginalized, the poor, the oppressed, but rather he just made himself available and, and they're the ones who sought him out because to actually have specifically gone after them, the question is, isn't that some sort of exclusion or judgment in and of itself? Okay. Yeah. 
both end. Isn't that what scripture usually is? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, what were you going to say? That's good. Went to where they were, or they came to him because they needed, they had a physical need, and after he met their physical need, then they were saved. So he was. A, so did you guys hear that? So he's actually providing something that is specific for these people, which is I think it's yeah. Hard to, if your physical needs are not being met. Mm-hmm. Good. I absolutely. Anybody else? Always able to make it, it seems like. Yeah, that's good. Anybody else? Sorry. I think it's interesting that you look back from like David to Jesus mm-hmm. backwards, that that God would either take very humble people or they would be humble people and then use them like Moses. That's Moses, good. Moses was a you know, pseudo prince. Yeah. He was greatly humble and then he was used. You know, uh, Abraham was an ancient man with his wife. You know, yep. That's good. God reduces. That's interesting. That's good. Yeah. That's all right. I've already broken it. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's really good. Did you guys hear that? I wish I, you had a mic because I'd butcher it. Um, so the difference between calling and serving, right? His disciples were made up of all classes of people, right? Mainly poor, but there's a physician. There's go ahead. I don't want to take the words out of your mouth. What did you say? Yeah, tax collector, accountant. But then he takes these very people and he points them. The difference between calling and serving. Anybody else? All right, so here's, here's the challenge or whatever you want to call it today. Is that what if this week we actually believed and lived like we believed, not just verbally, that the kingdom was now.
that the kingdom was here, that the kingdom was within us. And knowing what we've learned today about the kingdom, that that became the filter for every sort of decision we make for the rest of the week. It became the filter on the way we treated people. It became the filter on the way we seek out people. It became the filter of the way we make financial decisions. If we were going to be a people who were windows into this kingdom that is now, that other people could glance, and what I mean is that if people could glance into our lives and see that's what the kingdom looks like, that's it. Not by coming to hear a message, but by watching us, right? Nicodemus was able to watch Jesus and say, it's obvious God is with you. So what does it mean, and I'm not, this is rhetorical, this is for you to answer for yourself. What does it mean to live our lives Monday through Saturday in such a way that people from the outside are looking in and say, that's what that non-judgmental kingdom that is for the poor, the oppressed, the broken looks like. Let's pray.